0: We are, um, for those of you who um, have not been around before, um, or or maybe you've missed a couple, we are currently going through a series on Galatians. And uh, so we've had a few messages on this already. We had one from Ruth a couple of weeks ago on Galatians 3, which was awesome. And we had Adrian, who I can't see. He's not in the room. So we we had Adrian last week. Um, It's great to hear him sharing with us. Um, How did you find last week? Yeah, I was out in Ignite, so I wasn't even in, but I've managed to catch up online. Um, And uh, I just want to encourage you to do that. If you miss Sundays, um, just go on the website. We put the talks up, and um, you can catch up with previous ones on there. So um, please do that. Um, And in fact, I just want to encourage you, if you haven't yet recently taken the opportunity just to read through the book of Galatians... Can I just encourage you just to do that, just to take some time with God just to read it through. It's only six chapters. If you don't like reading books, you can't really get a book that's just got six chapters in it. So you can probably navigate that um, and just say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to me as I read this through? Um, Because I know that he wants to illuminate things to you and bless you. Um, So um, you know, I love hearing the sorts of stuff that Adrian mentioned last week. Um, He talked about the fact that we don't have a sinful nature. Did you cope all right with that statement? Well, the first time I heard that statement, I didn't cope very well with it. Um, In fact, I I felt quite cross about it because it then stirred up lots of questions and other verses in the Bible that I had. And, um, you know, it's really good that we do work these things through rather than just accept what's being said from the front as if... You know we we are supposed to think, aren't we? And um, uh, you know I started thinking, well, if I don't have a sinful nature, then why do I still want to do bad stuff? um what what's that all about and um you know there's Romans 7 jumps to mind doesn't it if you if you know that where um paul says oh i do what i don't want to do and oh i'm a wretched person because i'm stuck in this quandary of doing what i don't want to do and ah, ah how do i navigate that so if it stirred up any questions for you around any of this stuff then just find adrian he'll set it straight for you it's fine um uh, no, seriously, do come and chat with us um, because it is really important that we know um, what has been achieved for us on the cross. Um, do you know on the cross your old self was done away with? Yeah. Absolutely done away with, crucified, dead, buried. Yeah. And you have been raised up as a brand new boy or girl yeah. in Jesus of his line. And um, we're going to look at that in a minute. That means that you're free from the curse of the law. Ruth did a great job um, a couple of weeks ago looking at Galatians 3 and the whole comparison between the law and grace. You've been set free from the curse of the law and you have now been freed to live a life in Jesus of freedom as we've just been singing about in worship. Um, So... um, at the end of Galatians three, um, Paul talks about the fact that um, the law was like a guardian; it was given to us like a guardian would be, that helps us to keep us essentially on the straight and narrow. And uh, but that what's happened now is that because of Jesus, we no longer need that guardian, because we have been set free from actually this oppressive guardian that was the law, and we have now been set free into Christ. And uh, so that's essentially where we got to, and now we get to this tipping point in the letter. There is this um, tipping point at the end of Galatians 3 that I want to draw our attention to, and we get to um, be introduced to a very, very key theme that Paul wants us to be aware of and Martin I just want to pick up on your analogy about the door and being stuck in the kind of between the inner and the outer door and uh, you know I just feel that God wants to do more with us this morning he was doing a work through worship with us and um, but it's not finished and you know many of us might find that actually we just get stuck In moments, and so I hope that what we're about to look at is going to help lead us out of those places of being stuck. And this theme is absolutely essential for us understanding, for us knowing. Um, So, what is the theme? If there is one word I want you to go away from that you've heard me say this morning, it is sonship. Okay? What did Pete talk about? He spoke about sonship. Okay, if anyone asks you, when you think back on this week, I want you to understand sonship is vital. And what Paul does in Galatians 4 is to start to unpack our sonship. If you are a girl in the room this morning, you are a son. I'm sorry, but you are. There is no more male, female, Jew, gentle, slave-free. In Christ, we are sons. That's what the Bible says. Now, you are a daughter. Okay, I'm absolutely, um, I understand the way that these things work. But for the purposes of what Paul is talking about, there's an identity of sonship that is available to us regardless of our gender. Yeah? Brilliant. Okay. Um, so Galatians three twenty six to 29 says, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew, Greek, neither male, uh, neither slave nor free, there is neither male or female. You alone are one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offering and heirs according to promise. Okay, so we're going to unpack this in Galatians 4, which is what Paul carries on to do in his letter. At this point, I'm very excited to be able to give our first reference to Christmas in a preach message this year, and it's only November. The world outside doesn't seem to realise that it's not Christmas yet because Christmas is everywhere already. Um, Christmas is apparently it's a month till Christmas Eve today. I suppose by the date that must be true. There you go, you have another month. So Christmas is a month away yet. Why do we have to think about it so much already? Except I want to suggest something extremely exciting about this. Because in Galatians 4 it says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. So that we might receive adoption as sons. Sonship is the redemptive purpose of the Father. Sonship. I'm going to keep saying it till you remember it. Sonship is the redemptive purpose of the Father. That's what it's about. Christmas is about our sonship. Christmas is about a son who came. Yes? To reveal the Father. Do you know what redemption means? Do you know what it is to redeem? It means to buy back. It means to, to get back, to, to literally sacrifice something to get something back. And that's what happened. That's what um, uh, this Christmas is the beginning of. Um, so um, if we engage with the reality of this verse, every day starts to feel like Christmas. doesn't it? But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Happy Christmas. It becomes the most wonderful time of the year. Every day. You could wake up with this reality every day, and you will smile. So it is time to uncork the champagne. It is time to grab open the fizzy pop. It is time to put Baileys in your coffee. Because it is Christmas. You are a believer, aren't you, in Jesus? And this is really, really, really exciting stuff. Um, Let's look at the next verse then. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our heart. Crying, Abba, Father. His spirit has been put in you. And that causes you to cry out. Did you know relationship with God isn't supposed to be quiet? The word crying out that's used here is like the cry um, of a newborn, Reuben. It's like the cry when he first took a breath. When he went, wow, I'm alive, wow. That's what happened. It's like, um, actually, it talks in the, um, if you look it up, it talks about the sound that a, a crow makes when it's crying out, when they make that big squawky kind of noise. There is a squawky sound that's supposed to come from us. And. That is partly what happens when you first believe, when you first go, oh my word, Jesus is alive, he's real. It turns out this isn't just a lie, this isn't just a story, it turns out he's real. There's something in your spirit that connects with his spirit that goes, and that's a reality. But you know, it's not just for that day. Did you know that this cry is something that you get to make whenever you want to? Because you're alive. And your spirit is alive in him. So, just being practical, um, what about when things don't feel very safe? Like, if you're a child, what do we tell our children? When they're at home, if there's a knock at the door, don't answer the door. What do children do? Dad! Right, now, in our lives, when fear comes knocking at your door you have a choice whether you want to open the door and welcome fear in or whether you want to leave the door shut and just say dad because you're not on your own and what fear wants to do is tell you that you're not on your own and you're not a son And what the Holy Spirit is doing is connecting with your spirit to tell you that you are a son. And therefore you don't even have to open the door to fear in the first place. You can just call out for him. Because it's far better to say, you need to talk to my dad. Why would you want to pick a fight with fear in the first place? Why don't you go and get Jesus, who's already been to the cross and resurrected. You know he can deal with that you know actually he already has dealt with it. It's practical, isn't it? There is a cry that you get to make because you're alive in God. And it's a brilliant self-defense mechanism. Because you're a son. You're a son. What about when shame comes knocking? What about when People want to put on you that you're not enough, that you're not good enough, that you've messed up, that this has happened, that that that's happened. Um, What about at that point, we just say, Dad, this is what's going on? What if we cry out to him in those moments? Because he's not going to reject you, he's not going to agree with that assessment on you that's been made about your life you can cry out to him um, I want to encourage them. I love in our worship the way that we're getting noisier and I want to thank some of our worship leaders because whether you're leading worship or not you're still noisy and we need provoking Sunday mornings, sometimes we can come in and we can get quieter and the point is that we're supposed to connect with God. And what happens sometimes is we can, in our quietness, sometimes, you know, quietness sometimes is really important. Still being still, listening to the voice, I, I get that. I understand that. But that's not the same as being asleep. And that's not the same as being a bit religious or a bit, you know what I mean? We're, you know, it's easy to kind of just put on a, a kind of an old mindset of, oh, we have to be well behaved in church. No, no, no. We're supposed to provoke each other to life in church. We're supposed to change the way we think as a result of coming to church. One of the things that crying out to God does is it wakes you up. It causes you to suddenly come to and go, Oh my word, God, yes, you are real. Yes, you are faithful. Yes, you are loving. Yes, you are here. And that changes the dynamic. It changes us. And so I want to encourage us in our worship, be noisy. Cry out like a newborn. Cry out like a crow. <laughs> you can go for it. Don't get worried about what words you use. That this is about a spirit to spirit thing. You know, even the names of God. Do you it's, we might go. Oh, is it irreverent to call him Dad? Not to me. Um, is he. Yes, he is Father. Yes, he's Abba. Yes, he's Papa. Yes, he's dad. It doesn't matter. Whatever you're comfortable with, just cry out something to your heavenly father. Because it will do you good. That's what Paul is saying here. Let's engage that our spirit has been connected with his spirit. The tap's been turned on. The river is flowing. So we get to communicate with him like that. And it changes us. It reminds us who our dad is. It reminds us that we're sons and daughters of the living God. And it will change the way we live. And it will change the way we interact with one another as brothers and sisters. Um, How are we doing for time? We're okay. Um, Galatians 4, 7 says, So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Do you know there is a journey for us from slavery to sonship. I want to suggest that this journey will take all your life. It makes me sad when I hear people say, Oh yeah, I understand sonship. I've got it. It's like when they say, Oh yeah, I understand grace. I've got that. Understood that in 1990. If we ever stop being amazed at grace... If you think there is not another layer of sonship that you are yet to discover, of intimate relationship with your heavenly Father, of realisation of who you are as a son, then you're sunk. I'm never going to stop discovering more about being a son. (laughs) I don't want to. I want to understand more and more what it is to be his son. What it is to live from a place of sonship, from the security of knowing that I'm adopted, from the security of knowing that I'm his. So um, Luke 15 has, um, has got a great story, um, uh, affectionately, or no, not affectionately, um, typically known as the story of the prodigal son. Um, but really it's, uh, it's um, a story about a man who's got two sons. And um, the two sons, we can learn a lot from these two brothers, from these two sons. I know this is a really familiar story to you, so instantly I know as I say it, you go, oh yeah, prodigal son. Here he goes, prodigal son story, we've heard that before. Um, do you know these two sons, neither of them really knew that they were sons. They both lost sight of the fact that they were sons. One of them wandered off into rebellion, the prodigal. The other one, the older brother, he wandered off into religion, and he got religious and judgmental. And um, If I'm gonna be really honest about my life, I could tell you that the times when I struggle the most are when I take a step in each of those two directions. When I mess up, it's because there's either a walking away from sonship in terms of rebellion, in terms of I just get a bit orphan-hearted and I start thinking like an orphan again, or I mess up because actually my heart gets hard and I can become judgmental about others, I can think that my way to God is best. If I'm really honest, they're, that, they're my go to places. <laughs> and I wonder if they're yours too. It's good to be honest, isn't it? I'm not just preaching this from a place of um, theory. This is what I'm trying to work out in my own life as I'm growing in him. And this is what I want to encourage you to work out in your life. How do we grow in our sonship, in our security? How do we shake off orphan-heartedness or religious thinking? Um, And I'm even saying this, you, you could say, but you're a leader. Surely you shouldn't be thinking and saying things like that. Yeah, absolutely, I'm a leader, but I'm a son first. And I'm a son who forgets he's a son sometimes, and I'm a son who starts behaving a bit like an orphan or a bit like an older brother. Um, And, um, you know, I've worked out something about leadership. Leadership is sometimes, really, it's discipleship with an audience. Um, you, you get to see the lessons I learn. Anyone who's on the leadership team, you get to see our lessons. Um, and, uh, you know, so if you aspire to leadership, <laughs> I'd love to be like, okay, come on then. <laughs> come and make some mistakes in public. It'll do you good. Because um, God is more interested in me becoming a son than he is in me becoming a leader. And he's more interested in you growing in that as well. Whatever you think you're on the planet to do, whatever imprint you think you want to make, he wants you to become a son and a daughter. Doesn't he? And uh, that's why this is so pivotal. It's why this was important to the Galatians. Um, It's the key for how we get out of those doors. (laughs) It's remembering that we're sons. So, um, now, while Paul is talking about this stuff, this is where I love where our worship just got to towards the end there with the stuff about freedom. Because what Paul then wants to do is saying, look, while you're on the subject of thinking about who your papa is, I want you just to take a minute to think about who your mama is. So, let's talk about who our mama is. Now, this is figurative, okay? We're not going down some weird. Weird route of thinking, but Paul is taking us down a route of thinking which is figurative about who our mama is. And he said it in that verse in, um, uh, at the end of Galatians 3 where he says, And if you are Christ's, then you are, ad, uh, you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. So, things started off for Abraham with a promise. You remember this back in Genesis? Yeah? There's a promise. You're going to have a son. And through your son, the descendants that you're going to have are going to outnumber the stars in the sky. Big promise. Abraham and his wife Sarah struggle to work out this promise. And so they come to their own conclusion and they work something out in the flesh which looks like Abraham getting on with Hagar who is a slave woman and having a son called Ishmael, born of the flesh. Yeah? Except that God is faithful to fulfil his promises. And so what God does is to actually, by his power, Abraham and Sarah, in old age, go on to have a son. Sarah, the free woman, legitimate woman, has a son. And the son is Isaac. And the son, it's his line... That you can track through, and Scripture loves the line, you know, the, the 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 lineage stuff, doesn't it? It's there for a reason. It's there because it points ultimately to. It goes through who from Isaac and down through the year and to David, and then it goes on, and we get to Jesus, and if we get to Jesus, we get to you. Everything about what. God wants to do in this is to tell us that freedom is our birthright it's our destiny it's not just a clever thing to sing on a Sunday morning it's not just something that we yearn for because we don't like being bossed about deep in the heart of who we are as a people is a people who are destined for freedom And God wants our freedom so much that he would even go back 4,000 years or however long it was when Abraham was walking around on the planet and then bring through our lineage to come through the free woman, Sarah. Who's your mama? It's Sarah, the free woman. It's not Hagar. You weren't born in captivity. You were born for freedom. And that's what Paul is seeking to do as he... um, as he brings this through um, our understanding of our history of where we're from is really really important because we forget we forget that we're destined for freedom and we start reverting to captive ways of thinking and uh, Jesus came to totally turn that on its head so um It's in Galatians four twenty eight, it says, Now you, brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of promise. I was going to show this earlier on, but um, uh, Mark, could you just stick that slide on the screen for me? Um, my daughter's on Instagram, and um, she posted this, and uh, I really liked it, and... Um, And I really love that my daughter's got this in her head at a young age, um, that religion says, I messed up, my dad is going to kill me. Sonship says, I messed up, I need to call my dad. Our sonship is so important. Our view of who our dad is, who our heavenly father is, is so important. If you think that he's a, a mean, distant out there kind of father figure, you know, that couldn't be further from the truth. And I know that for some of us, we haven't experienced, um, or some of you, actually I had a great dad, but I know that there are some folks in the room, and actually for you this subject of fathering is actually quite a painful thing. Jesus resets the standard for fathering. he resets it for you he wants to change the paradigm by how we think affectionately about our father his nearness to you have you ever made mistakes? you don't need to be embarrassed about your mistakes to your dad your dad is never ever going to reject you he's never going to be embarrassed by you he's never going to push you away because he loves you we could learn something together did you know we in this room we've never all been together before there are new people in this room what if god wants to do something right now this morning to go deeper with each one of us on this subject that you know you you absolutely know with assurance that you are approved of by your heavenly father you know the words that that father says at the end of Luke 15 when uh, he's talking to his oldest son he says my child I am always with you everything I have is yours maybe we just need to hear those words afresh for ourselves Um, we're going to land this message in just a moment I'd like us to respond in two ways there's There's an internal response right now that I'd love us to engage with where we're going to pray. Um, There's an external one as well that I've just had this thought about which I shared a few weeks ago. Um, What if, you know, we've been redeemed. We've been given an identity as sons and daughters. I want us to, this Christmas, I want us to redeem some people. Um, there's this charity toy box that literally buys identities for street children living in Nepal and other countries India and um, uh, Bolivia. They literally buy children identities. street children who have no identity, they don't legally exist. And uh, without that existing, they don't have access to health care. They don't have birth certificates. Some of them don't know who their parents are. And for £32, we could redeem a person. This charity works with these children to get them birth certificates, to get them an identity, to give them a hope and a future. It sounds like the gospel. So I would love us this Christmas um, uh, in December, we'll do maybe a couple of mornings where we'll give the offering, we'll go to this charity. But I'm, I know we will raise money and we, you know, how much fun can we have? How many people can we redeem? How many birth certificates could we buy for children? I love that idea. £32 is all it costs to do one. I'm sure we could do a few. Yeah? But I'm looking for God to do something in our hearts as we do it. I'm looking for there to be an imprint in you of you realizing you have been redeemed at such a cost, way more than £32. Yeah. Um, so we'll do that through December, but right now, just as we finish, can we just stand? Yeah, Father, we want to. We want to thank you we want to thank you with the level of revelation we have right now about our fathering by you and our sonship the fact that you are our heavenly father that you're our heavenly daddy that you are abba Holy Spirit, I just pray around this room right now that you would open our eyes afresh to the reality that you are our Father and you're for us. You are for us. That we can go to you with any problem. pray where there's been disappointment even with you father god where people in this room are feeling different areas of disappointment maybe feeling that you didn't show up that things didn't work out the way that they'd hoped holy spirit i pray you'd rush in like a flood Lord, I thank you that you don't reject us when we reject you. That your arms are always open to us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. I pray for each one of us that we would see something of our identity, of our sonship, of our being sons and daughters of you, living God. That we are not orphans. That our resources are not finite. I thank you that every single person in this room is so significant, so accepted, so loved by you, cherished by you. Lord, and I I just want to pray for each of us that we would navigate this journey of sonship, that we would cheer one another on. Lord, that we wouldn't be like the older brother, that when the younger brother messes up, that we judge. I pray that we would be the first to throw a party for the younger brother. We would be the first to say, well done. Well done. Thank you for coming home. Thank you for opening your eyes again to being a son. Help us to remain soft-hearted. Help us never to think that because we're adults that we're not children. Lord, we, we're your children. Lord, forever would we do life being your children. Yes, taking responsibility where we need to and where you've called us to take responsibility, but let's do it from a place of sonship, from being children, being your child. Thank you, Lord. Amen. (laughs)